Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Football Outsiders Draft live stream. I'm McTaneer along with Derek Klassen, and we're going to be talking draft every Tuesday at 1 o'clock Eastern time all through draft season, all the way into April to the draft and probably the week after the draft as well. Maybe into June and July. Who knows? We can just keep this going. How you doing, Derek? Not too bad. I mean, I'm excited to get the show rolling. That's all I can say. How how was your combine experience? Uh, very good. I, I made the, you know, uh, young person mistake of staying all the way till Sunday when like <laughs> everybody else leaves on, you know, Friday night or Saturday. So, yes. you know, I, I have some, I have some uh, lesson to take back with me for next year, but you know, overall it, it was awesome, you know, talking to people, players and, and, you know, everybody else that was there. It was just a fantastic experience. It, it was great. It was great being back in Indianapolis. The weather was wonderful, but I did what you did a few years back and you wind up eating steak and shake in a hotel room by yourself watching workouts was that your experience that that's exactly right <laughs> uh, yeah yeah and, that, and that's not the way it's supposed to be but live and learn you, you know you'll have a great beard someday and uh, you'll, you'll know to get out of there friday evening friday afternoon um so all the football outsiders nfl draft coverage including this live stream is presented by underdog fantasy use the promo code fo40 that's fo40 the digits at underdog to double your deposit up to 100 dollars Keep your eyes peeled for the new best ball tournaments that include 2022 rookies and their new super flex games. And that way you can deploy your knowledge from mine and Derek Klassen's NFL draft research and analysis at Football Outsiders. Links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. So go play with us on Underdog today. How was that draft read, Derek? You know what? I think that's as good as it gets. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, happy Aaron Rodgers gets paid day, Derek. The saga is over. <laughs> yes. Almost too soon. I had like three months of uh, of material planned for this. So I, I, I don't know how to proceed. How are you celebrating? I mean, I, you know, I guess I have the NFC North, I think, for, for next year's chapter. So I think the fact that it's done a little bit early kind of is going to help me out a little bit. I'm glad it's not going to be dragged out for the next couple of months and that I have eight billion things I'm trying to sort out for this story by the time it comes chapter time. So I guess fine. Thank you for Aaron Rodgers for getting it knocked out. Right. You don't want to be for the football outsiders almanac in like June hearing Aaron Rodgers trade rumors still. Exactly. I, I would like it to be fully done by the time I have my chapter, you know, first draft done and we're here. So we're good. Right. I'm in a not quite as the same boat because I have the Denver Broncos as one of the teams I'm covering and had this lingered, lingered, lingered. It would have been like, okay, I might have to scrap the entire thing we wrote because once he comes in, that changes everything. And from our standpoint, I mean, you know, we're going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers, obviously, for the rest of our lives. From our standpoint in the draft, it does impact uh, draft decisions a little bit. And I think that starts with the Denver Broncos, a team that thought they might have a chance of getting Rodgers. I mean, I think Denver's, you know, pretty clearly the biggest one. Um, I think it was it might have been Rappaport or something um, had even tweeted that the other team that was clearly in the mix for Rodgers before signing this new deal was Denver. And I don't think he mentioned any other team. So I think that's pretty significant and, and probably has to feel pretty bad for Denver because I think they're sitting at ninth. And you're not going to find me saying that there's a guy worth taking at nine at quarterback position. And I think they messed up last year not taking fields. So they're not in the best position. Yeah, did you hear George Payton or Hackett? I don't think you were in town yet when they spoke. No, I, I wasn't. Payton was very much, you know, they asked him, what are the strengths of this draft? And he's like, oh, edge rusher and receiver and left tackle and right tackle and cornerback. 
And then they ask, well, what are your strengths of your roster? It's like, well, you know, the skill positions, the playmakers and the offensive line. And it's like, well, if I, if I'm hearing this correctly, you don't have a quarterback and there isn't the quarterback back in this draft that you have any interest in taking. Exactly. I mean, chances are they're probably going to end up swinging on one, but good luck finding one that's better than Justin Fields is basically the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. They're not going to find anybody better than just Justin Fields. And you start to wonder, I mean, I look at these guys. I'm not sure if there's anybody that's that much better than Drew Locke in this class. I mean, that's probably true. And even for as bad as Drew Locke has looked like, I don't know. Not a lot of these other guys are getting me very excited. A lot of the, Drew Locke starts being my comp after a while. I mean, not necessarily you know, precisely, but in terms of the quality level of the prospect. And it's like, oh, here's a kid. If we take his highlight reel, then, we're, then we have a heck of a kid. But if we look at his actual film, it's a little bit of a different story. I mean, especially Matt Corral. I mean, he seems to have kind of fallen out of out of favor for some people, but yes. Matt Corral basically looks like if you had just taken Drew Locke and put him in the Lane Kiffin offense, and it looks like a one-for-one. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. And I think that's one of the comps I had for Corral, although I think I took Corral and comped him to every quarterback that like you're not really comfortable with as a starter in the NFL. Right. Uh, including the one we're going to talk about in a minute. We're going we're gonna to officially kick things off here with – our combine winners and losers. Uh, again, we were both there. It's a tradition to always do combine winners and losers. I'm not a big fan of combine losers, but we managed to each pick a guy. But let's start with our combine winners. Uh, pass it off to you first, Derek. You you had an intriguing choice. Yeah, combine. I picked um, Wyoming linebacker Chad Muma. Um, he his forty was like pretty good you know 463 was not fantastic but i think for his size it was like perfectly fine and that's not going to be a concern mm. everything else was incredible i think he led bench press for linebackers mm. absolutely jumped out of the gym with all of his jumps um his agility self was still really good i think like top four or five at the position so he was a guy who is converted from safety and is playing linebacker now and i think you see all the athletic athletic ability on film the fact that he was able to pretty much confirm it out at the the combine was pretty impressive and honestly like you know bench press I think is the one that's always tricky to take something from but I think for linebackers you can pretty clearly see where that might show up when you're like you know taking on a block and trying to shock shed and all that sort of stuff with Muma it's very clear that like his issues with doing that are just like a reps and technique thing you know he moved from safety so he's just hasn't been doing that as much as other guys but when you put up 27 on the bench press it's like okay you're clearly strong enough to do this let's just get you a year or two of you know coaching get you a little bit more comfortable at linebacker and you're gonna be good to go so I already really liked him coming in and I think the fact that he tested as one of the best linebackers there was really really good sign for me you, you talked to me in the past about you tend to be skeptical of these pumped up safety type linebackers that we see a lot nowadays and so did Muma overcome your skepticism or put it aside or, or what so it's not necessarily that I hate safeties playing linebacker it's just that when they do it a lot of the time they're a lot more like hesitant to play in the box to run up and take um, take on blocks and all that sort of stuff and you know really navigate through traffic they, they just aren't good at it because they're just not used to it you know they're used to playing 10 yards off instead of four and a half Right. With Muma, you didn't really see that being an issue. You know, sometimes, like I said, his technique taking on blocks could be weird because he just isn't as comfortable with it. But he was very willing to come downhill, play fast, you know, hit people, play tight to his blocks and stuff. So, like, he really plays like he's a linebacker. And I think if, you know, if I hadn't looked through his, um, you know, his school sheet and it said right. that he played safety, I wouldn't have known that he played safety with the way that he plays the run. I think it's it's really impressive. 
he's not one of those guys who's always sort of out on the slot position in space and then like and then like races in the blitz and gets the sack and we're like oh my god what an athlete it's not that kind of tape no it's it's not like uh you know jeremiah owusu koromoa thing it's not like that where you're like can he play linebacker it's more like oh he's he's definitely playing linebacker that's not going to be an issue uh, divine darling was the guy and i know he's still mm. on a roster somewhere but it's like look at all the positions he can play it's like i think that's just a really big safety that's, that's not <laughs> yes. that fast i think that T- tanner muse was another guy like that i think what you got is just a really big fast guy who doesn't necessarily do some of these things all that well um i looked at this tape a little bit i did not get a chance to really break down chad muma but uh one thing i did notice you talk about his uh, vertical jumps I believe he had a blocked kick or two in college yeah i mean he's he's just a really really good athlete and he's he's like six three too like he's a big dude I, I mean i don't know like size he's got it athletic tools he's got it the tape is there for me he's he's one of the best linebackers in the class right and he probably can put on a little more weight there if you can do 27 yeah. on the bench at your 239 that means you can get up a little bit there and get to that that size where you can play sort of a, a modern version of the mike linebacker absolutely yeah now my winner, and I was going to go with Zion Johnson of Boston College, um, the left tackle turned guard turned center, uh, because he's blown up the process uh, from from the Senior Bowl into the draft. It was a great interview. There were a couple other guys like that, but my winner, and he's even a winner today. We can roll with him now. Is Mitch Trubisky, because Mitch Trubisky keeps on winning and winning and winning. So what happened at the combine to make Mitch Trubisky win? Well, first of all, all the quarterbacks. They are what they are, who are the actual rookies. None of them stood out in any way, throwing, drilling, interviewing even. The Colts stuck Carson Wentz in a sack and threw him into the river and drove away. I mean, that's more or less what happened there. That I mean, uh, Chris Bauer basically said, we don't want him anymore, and we don't want on our conscience you taking him from us. That, that's more or less what they said. Jimmy Garoppolo had surgery. Okay. And what happened today, Aaron Rodgers signed with the Packers. So every time you think that there's a quarterback in the tier of, hey, Broncos, hey, Panthers, hey, Commanders, here's your guy, they completely disappear. So who keeps making more and more and more money from this? Mitch Trubisky. You, you were out, Derek. It's just sitting around in prime or sitting around in high velocity. Trubisky's the name on everybody's on everybody's lips. I mean, I think it seemed like it, like, you know, the one rookie that seemed like he was getting a lot of buzz was Malik Willis. But after that, like a lot of the guys, a lot of the other guys didn't seem like they were really moving up anymore. The other quarterback hot name was, yeah, Mitch Trubisky. You know, I think every team, you know, I think Washington was a big one that seemed to be particularly in on Trubisky um, for whatever that is worth. And like, I don't know, I get it when you think none of these quarterbacks are either, you know, going to be good enough right away um, as rookies or, you know, the juice is not going to be worth the squeeze yeah. um, with as incomplete as some of these guys are. Even though Mitch Trubisky is not very good, you're probably getting a top 32 quarterback. And I yeah. get why some teams are going to be like, you know what, let's eat the stopgap and just see what our team looks like with, with a guy like this. Yeah, and he is a top 32, but I start to wonder. But he's closer to 32. <laughs> yeah, isn't, couldn't Heineke also yeah. possibly be a 30, a 30 through 30, you know, 28 through 32 at a fraction of the price? That's why the Washington one is particularly weird because, like, the difference between Heineke and Trubisky is not going to be, you know, $10, $15 million. It's not. Like, they're pretty negligible difference in quarterback play. So I think the fact that they're so in on him is really weird. I don't know what they're seeing where they think Mitch Trubisky puts them over the hill. Do you ever have a friend who continually dates the same type of person? 
and yeah. is always like d- disappointed at the end and angry at the end. And it's like, maybe, maybe it's you. Right. Like, you, you, like, you know what you're looking for at this point, right? Like, <laughs> right. right. Or, and what you're looking for doesn't satisfy you. So maybe yeah. you're looking in a different direction. That, uh, that friend who dates poorly is Washington and Denver. That's, that, that's who that friend is at, at this point. Um, so let's switch over to the losers. And you, of course, had a very interesting, intriguing choice for your big loser as well. Yeah, I picked Arkansas Edge, uh, Trey Williams. Um, you know, if you watch him on tape, he has some really, really good juice. Um, he does some interesting stuff with his hands. Like, yes. you know, he has pretty decent size. But then at the combine, he just did not do anything well. I mean, I think his yeah. shuttle was actually okay. Yeah. But, like, all of his jumps were not good. His three cone was pretty whatever. His 40 was horrendous i mean 508 at 253 is yeah i would imagine you know size adjusted that was one of the worst overall times there um like it just was not a really good day for him and for a guy that was you know kind of banking on being this like athletic you know you kind of develop him in day three the fact that he didn't show up and be athletic at all Mm -hmm. i think that's pretty concerning um i think especially when you couple that with the fact that i think he has some off-field stuff you know i think he got a dui recently like his entire draft profile is kind of blowing up from like borderline top 100 guy to like, is he even going to get drafted type of deal? Yeah. And, and why, when you mean a DUI, this was the young man who was passed out in the drive throw. Right. <laughs> yes. Allegedly, allegedly, as we say in letter caddy, allegedly passed out in the drive through of a McDonald's. I believe it was, I don't want to get the fast food restaurant wrong. So, you know, that's a pretty significant step up from, uh, you know, obviously it's a huge mistake, no matter what that's, pretty DUI. And there were some other things in his past as well. So you're right with a guy like that. And it's like, okay, we may have a risk. We're doing triple checks on his character background. You don't want to see a 5.08 second, 40 yard dash on top of that. Right. Cause then why take the chance at that point? Like, right. At least, you know, if you might get some super freak athlete or whatever, then okay. But at this point, he, he probably one of the worst athletes in the class, at least with the way that he tested. I, like I said, I think his film is better, but still like it to show up this bad, Pretty disappointing. And so many edges tested phenomenally, or at least rock solidly, Yep, all through Friday and Saturday. Exactly. I think that's the other big kicker is a lot of the edge guys looked incredible, and he just showed up about as flat as possible. Right. So I, he's the type of guy I could see saying, okay, he's probably off some draft boards at this point. We're not going to deal with all of the possible off-field and this athletic profile. My loser – and I hated picking losers here. So I, I kind of grabbed the guy that was just generally disappointing overall. That'd be Clemson wide receiver, Justin Ross. Uh, this is a guy who did not work out. Um, somebody who was a couple of years ago coming into like his freshman year was phenomenal, a phenomenon as a freshman. Uh, and he was out there on that Clemson uh, uh, receiving core with T Higgins. And I believe Hunter Renfro was still there at that point. And uh, it was Trevor Lawrence or the guy before Trevor Lawrence. And and Ross looked like the guy, the five-star recruit coming out. And this guy's going to be like DeAndre Hopkins when he rises up through it. And little by little, it just never happened. Now, a lot of things happened to the Clemson program along the way, including Trevor Lawrence leaves and is replaced by uh, somebody who was not Trevor Lawrence. Um, But Ross needed to, needs to kind of do something in this, uh, in this, in this draft class. And, he, uh, he's one of the bigger receivers. He's one of those guys you can say, ooh, a slot guy who's six foot four. We can do the whole Debo hook thing around him. He doesn't really look like that on film anymore. He doesn't work out. 
he barely interviews. He came coming out for our media interviews and was there for about a minute or two. There was not a lot of buzz around him. He didn't give any answers to give you a suggestion. Okay, well, this is a guy we need to talk about, whatever. And then he just disappeared. And that was it for his combine. And this all happens, you know, in a place where, you know, Traylon Burks, he didn't, Traylon Burks was not phenomenal, but he gave a great interview and he worked out okay. And all these other guys like Wendell Robinson and, and Bo Melton and all these other slot weapon type players go out and they blow up on a week where Justin Ross isn't even out there. Yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Like it's not like he showed up and was just horrible, but the fact that he didn't test and, you know, yeah. with a guy who's, whose profile is already so weird because of all the injury stuff, you know, he had the, the serious neck injury. I think at like the end of his freshman yes. year or, or going into his sophomore year. Yeah. You didn't really used to have a bad neck, which I think is kind of the problem here. And so with a guy like him, you would have at least liked to have seen the upside of what his athletic testing looked like. The fact that he didn't do anything, I think is it just sucks for him, especially with how how fast every other receiver looked. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's kind of an issue. And that's it. Yeah, I I didn't mention Calvin Austin, who had a really great performance. Mm -hmm. Kevin Austin had a pretty solid performance there as a guy coming back from an injury for Notre Dame. Um, the, the Watson kid from North Carolina, North Dakota State ran lights out at six foot four, and you have Justin Ross. Now, I believe Ross may be participating in Clemson's Pro Day. Maybe that'll be a chance to rise up, but it was just not a, not a, a, a great week for him. All right, now it's time to get really uh, confrontational here, a segment called <laughs> PVP. Not player versus player, but prospect versus prospect. And every week we're going to take two guys. Maybe they're teammates. Maybe they play the same position. Maybe they have similar names like Calvin and Kevin Austin. Maybe we'll do that uh, just to confuse ourselves. But Derek wrote recently on uh, some of the Ohio State wide receivers. You wrote on Wilson, correct? Yep. And this week's PVP, we're going straight to two guys who really blew it up at the combine. And that's Ohio State wide receivers. I am – vamping because i cannot remember is it garrett or jarrett garrett it's garrett wilson versus chris olave somebody said jarrett once and it it just ruined your brain <laughs> it ruined my brain so he's jarrett half the time i say ladies and gentlemen ohio state wide receivers garrett wilson versus chris olave and i'm going to throw it to derek and i'm going to ask you first of all of these two college teammates who do you prefer and why i prefer olave um so as a quarterback, th- this is kind of part of my reasoning. As a quarterback guy, I really, really, really like receivers who simply are reliable and get open. Mm-hmm. That's what Olave is. Um, I think his route running is is fantastic. The way you know he's able to tempo his routes. I think he gets off the line fairly well. You know, he's not like elite at getting off press, but I think he does a pretty good job. Um, he's so efficient getting in and out of his breaks. You know, there's no wasted steps. Um, he comes out of them pretty explosive. Like. I think he just does a really good job consistently getting open. Whenever there's scramble drills, he does an incredible job, you know, finding the quarterback and being friendly, making himself available, all that sort of stuff. His hands are mostly pretty good. He can go up and, you know, fight against contact and stuff like that. Um, And then he ran exceptionally well. I think he, I think his official was like a four, three, nine, you know, originally a four, two, six, which would have been pretty incredible. (laughs) Um, But four, three, nine is still really good. And he has that deep speed to, you know, take the top off pretty consistently. So, to me, he's kind of just a guy who does a little bit of everything and like reminds me of like a slightly lesser Devonta Smith or something like that. Right. A, a slightly like bigger guy, but he's right. He's he's a little bit bigger, but like the same general skill set. Yeah. Right. I, I do love the the speed on him. I do love the, the mm-hmm. lift the lid speed there. You saw enough of him against press because I saw so little of him against press that I that that was kind of a a little bit of a concern for me. It doesn't happen very often, but you know. Right. 
maybe part of my issue was that in comparison to Garrett Wilson, I mean, if you press Garrett Wilson, reps over. You're he's you're he's going to get bullied into the sideline, and that's that. With at least, at least with Olave, I think when they did press him, he showed some instances of being able to you know um, give himself a little bit of space, um, kind of like bait punches in so that he could evade him and stuff like that. Whereas like with Wilson, I just didn't really see any of that. Right now, we, we I think we have some disagreements about Wilson, the root runner. And you talked about it at Football Outsiders, Derek Classics Film Room. You can see it. It's back away since about two weeks ago, uh, but you can find it. But you you said something on Twitter uh, <laughs> about about Wilson's uh, release or his route running. What, what did you refer to it as? I called him a TikTok route runner. Like a TikTok just, dancer. Like, like a TikTok dancer when he's route running. That's what it looks like. <laughs> right. And I think what you're saying is there's a lot of – you know, fancy like uh, maneuver. Yes, <laughs> there, there's a lot of um, I think flair that doesn't need to be there. It's basically the way that I would put it. Yeah. Well, we're which I think you know, I will say I think it's especially apparent when you watch Olave because Olave's is like there's zero fat in his route running. Mm-hmm. Wilson's is like there's a lot more to it. So I think especially when you're comparing it to Olave, I think to me it was like pretty evident. Well, I I like it. And I get what I get get what you're saying about it, but when you have all of that flair, so to speak, it is easier to condense that and get the athleticism than it is if somebody has like a very just flat neutral release, like they're just they're used to never getting jammed, et cetera, et cetera. It's just get down the field. It's hard to like teach some of that tap dancing Fred Astaire stuff. Whereas Wilson has all of the Fred Astaire and all the Gene Kelly and all of the, I don't know any other dancers, so I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> um, and it's more a matter of simmer down. <laughs> we don't need that. Now, now what, but you wrote about this. What, what kind of issues does it cause when Wilson uh, gets a little too fancy like with his moves? Um, so I think part of it is sometimes you will see it at the line of scrimmage. So like when he gets pressed and he gets, you know, if you get hands on him, he's done. But part mm-hmm. of the problem is like, he doesn't really know how to come off the line of scrimmage. So he'll just like sit there and pitter patter his feet all the time or like, you know, give these like extra moves to try to get off the line of scrimmage. But by the time he does that, he's just taking too much time and he can't get into his route. So I think it kind of starts there. And that's part of my issue with him. The other issues that I would have is like when he's getting into his break, a lot of the times it takes him a couple of extra steps to really settle down and his Mm -hmm. balance can get weird. Um, So he won't actually be able to explode out of his break the way that he's trying to. And then you also see that sometimes where he'll like run into certain breaks. You know, he does this a lot on digs and posts where he'll take like one really long exaggerated step to like try to get the corner out one way mm-hmm. and then he'll come back the other. And like he has the athleticism to do it now, but I worry that NFL cornerbacks are going to, you know, not bite on that stuff as consistently right. and just simply have the athletic ability to keep up with him because, you know, when he does that, he's not, I think, getting all of the athleticism that he has. And like maximizing it, I think he's like stunting himself. I I see those, and I do say yeah, the body's over here, and then he cuts back. But one of them, I mean, for every time he gets jammed, there's a lot of times where it's tight coverage, and I, I see him winning position hmm. with those releases in the first couple of steps, and just and just kind of getting the inside on a slant and things like that. I I think that like those things are going to be a net positive in the long run. And and again, some of the things you talk about, they're clear. They look to me like day two, day three of rookie camp. The coach says, no, no, no. I want you lined up <laughs> like this. And, and again, it's like, well, you got to correct something. Yeah, it's correctable because he is such an athlete and he has so many things that you're kind of sanding stuff down as opposed to saying, we have to teach you like an entirely new thing. And 
and, and that's why I mean I have I had to talk myself out of saying it's Michael Thomas again with Wilson. So <laughs> I, I mean I, I do agree that like all of it is fixable, and he's like definitely athletic enough that if it does get fixed, he's gonna be a problem. Um, yes. like I said, I think for me it's just a lot of like preference stuff like I want if if I'm a quarterback guy and I you know I, I want these guys to come in and be able to play right away right. um the way that I that's why you know I loved like a guy like Devonta Smith because you knew he was just going to come in he right. was just going to be open all the time with right. Wilson I think it could take some time um and so honestly to that end it might just depend on like what team you are if right. you need a guy to play right away Olave I think is the answer right if you're in a position where you're not going to win anyway you can take your time <laughs> right. Wilson is could potentially, I think, you know, give you give you something better. My, my worry with Olave is he comes in right away, but as your designated deep threat, mm. and you're and you're some team that's starting out, and you need an all, you know, like like a team like the Giants, for example, they're not they're not taking a, a receiver uh, first, you know, in the, in the first round, but like, oh, he's you're getting sacked while he's trying to get open deep, and you don't have somebody <laughs> who can do that other stuff. But I know what you're saying. I was I was watching, not to get off track of these guys, I was watching Sky Moore, someone mm. of Western Michigan, and you if you want to see economical. Uh, release and then route and you, you really see it on the dig and the and the post uh, where there's no it's just it's like it's like the whole body just turns and goes and like there's no wasted motion he yeah. doesn't lose a step etc and you can see it with that young man and you see him getting open for like 12 15 yard receptions with Wilson it's more like yeah like here comes the the, the dipsy doodle and he gets open because he's a <laughs> right he, he does something wrong but he's so explosive a lot of the time it's just like eh. You know, I guess that'll fly. <laughs> right. And my worry about Alave is he's not running the dig or the post. He's just going up the field, up, up, up the seam, open, because he's faster than everybody and there's nobody to cover him. So, you know. So, you're going to stick with Alave. I'm still sticking with Alave. Yep. I'm sticking with Wilson. But with whichever order, are they wide receiver one and wide receiver two in this draft class? I have not seen everyone, but I will say I have seen enough of uh, Drake London from USC and Jameson Williams from Alabama that I think I like both of those guys better than Olave and Wilson, actually. You know, London, you know, I think we're probably going to disagree on him, too, but I think he is just like to move the way that he does at his size is, mm -hmm. is really, really rare to me. Um, so I think I'm, I'm going to be in on him a lot. You know, he might be my wide receiver one. And then Jameson Williams, I actually just wrote about him during Combine Week um, on Football Outsiders. Yes. To me, he is probably like, I don't know if him or Olave is a better route runner, but Jamison Williams is doing it with like legit 4-2 speed. Yes. And that I think unlocks him to like, I think he can get open in any type of route and he's going to be a really, really good player. But he's a guy we'll probably have to wait on, might be a red shirt for much of his freshman year. Yeah, for, year. because of the ACL thing, yeah. Right. And at London, he's a very strong route runner for his size as well, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like he, he's, you know, he, I think that's kind of the the thing that, you know, a lot of people are getting caught up on with London. When you look at, you know, six, five, I think he came in at like two nineteen. When you look at six, five, two nineteen, you're like, Oh, that's probably not a route runner, which is like a fair assumption because most of those guys aren't, they're just right. ball winners. London is actually a very clean route runner for his size. And I think gets in and, and out of those stuff a lot cleaner than a guy who's six, five should be able to. And then, you know, when he gets the ball in his hand, I think he's a really good, you know, run after catch guy, not like breakaway speed, but just almost like the Michael Crabtree. Like he just has this incredible feel for how to navigate with the ball. I think that's kind of what it feels like to me. All right. We'll have to wait. I guess he's going to run at his USC pro day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Williams won't be running, obviously. He's in recovery, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll check in. So it might be London. Who? Oh, and you mentioned Williams as your other possibility. I'm going to go on a limb and say both of these guys are going to go over the damaged goods at this point. Yeah. Well, I, get, I think – like Williams, I think could fall. Like Olave and Wilson, I think are going to go really high. Like it, I, Wilson might be the first receiver off the board, truthfully. Like I, I right. think even if I don't agree that he should be, I think he's probably going to be the guy that goes first. Right, right. Now, Mike Kurtz asks, are either of these two making it past the Browns? I guess my question is, are either of these two making it to the Browns would have to be the first question, right? That I think is the question. I think Wilson, there's no way. Like I think Wilson is going to go pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, Olave is a little bit trickier. I think the way that he ran actually solidified the fact that he might get up into that top 20 range, but yes. um, I think it's more likely that Olave could fall and be there. Wilson, good luck. Like, it's you know, anything could happen, <laughs> but like, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> and, and I just realized I, I lose track because the Browns are at 13. Mm-hmm. Olave, Even then, like, I think Wilson is probably gone before then, right? Wilson is gone, but Olave is there, and if. And, and if London goes ahead of both of them, I think Wilson is still gone. And maybe London is the guy who's there. So yep. I think the Browns, if they go the receiver route, which I assume we all assume they're doing, uh, somebody good will be there. And it might be Chris Olave. Yep. He, could, he could play the hypothetical OBJ role yeah. in their theoretical downfield passing game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if Baker can finally get a connection over the middle of the field. But, you know. Who knows? <laughs> right. And now they have to re- they'll have to replace Landry as well. It's fine. The Browns will get a receiver, Mike. It's gonna be okay. All right. I'm I lost track of my uh my notes here. What are we doing? Oh Giants, right? Okay. Smooth sailing here the football <laughs> outsiders. Very first uh, ever uh first uh, ever for football outsiders draft live stream. Uh coming at you like a professional host that I am. And our next segment is we're going to be saving a team every week. And this week we're going to be trying to save the New York Giants. You signed up for this, Derek. You are now I did. You are now Joe Sheen. And you have to try to draft. And so will I. We will both try to draft for the New York Giants. And why do we pick the Giants? Of course, they've got two picks high in the first round, two picks in the top 10. They've also got an extra uh day three pick. Is that correct? They have a I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, we already have that. There we go. And they have needs. And uh, I tried not to like say the needs are everything because I know some of the people were asking about the Giants' needs. And it's everything. They need everything. Well, what they need is offensive line, offensive line, and more offensive line. And then I just kind of scattered some other needs in there. They need edge rush. They've not really had a marquee edge rusher in a while. And I think it's safe to say they need tight end. Of course, while we were there, by the way, Derek, they, they, uh, they cut Kyle Rudolph. Right. No surprise. They also cut Devontae Booker uh, at running back. And we're trying really hard to make Saquon trade rumors a thing. Um, but nobody's trading for Saquon Barkley. So this is a team. Well, well you know what? Let's get to the uh, – by the way, Patrick Seely asked some questions. These guys are B prospects. No Jamar Chase level wide receiver, right? I would say these guys are A prospects, but Chase was – Like S tier. Yeah, I think that's the difference. It's like – Chase was a step above, but like these other guys are, are really, really good. And I think B is like too harsh. I think they're like a, a plus even. And yeah. Chase just happened to be a tick above that. Yeah. Chase was like, if I start saying generational prospect a lot, I want you to find me and, and you know, and run me over <laughs> the bus. 
Uh, but Chase was that was built different. He was S tier, et cetera, et cetera. These are really good receivers. Overall, Derek, this is a strong receiver class, right? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And you can, you know, we say this every year with receivers, but like you can get any kind of guy that you want, which I think, you know, even at the top of the draft, which I think is is particularly important because, you know, uh, London, Williams, Olave, and even Wilson are really completely different players. Like yes. you're asking them to do entirely different things. And I think that's really exciting for anybody who needs a receiver at the top. Right. And those are kind of the wide receiver ones. And then mm-hmm. if you're really looking for like the slot guy, there's 80 of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not just saying that because it's like everybody's got slots on the brains because of these teams. They're all really good. And there's different flavors. There's big ones, small ones, great root runners, super nifty, shifty ones, ones who played running back a little bit, ones who played wildcat quarterback. They're out there. There's a lot of them. Exactly. I mean, like I said, you know, you can get whatever you need in this class. Right. Right. Mike uh, Kurt says it seems closer to the 2020 draft where there were a ton of wide receiver ones. 2020 was like, that. I think 18 was like that. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. 2021. I mean, that you had Jamar Chase. You had some good guys in that one too. It's been uh, Peter King. I was talking to him. We were at a, at a shindig and he's like, there's an F ton of them. And there's going to be an F ton of them every year because that's the way college football is nowadays. There are too many good receivers. You know, I, somebody, I can't remember who it was, um, but somebody I was talking to was like, there are 12 top five receivers in the NFL. Like, there's just too many good players going into the NFL at the position. <laughs> right. And it keeps happening. <laughs> right, right. So getting back to state of the team. And this is a segment where we're going to try to fix an NFL team through the draft. And Derek and I are going to play general manager. And we're going to be playing general manager, heaven help us, for the New York Giants. So Derek will channel his inner Joe Sheen. I will channel my inner Dave Gettleman, which I do a little too easily, and it's scary. <laughs> and what we did is we went with three-round mock drafts for the Giants. We went for three rounds so it doesn't get really ridiculous at the end where we're just trying to explain who the seventh-round pick and showing off our awesome football knowledge. Um, and I'm going to start with Derek. You went out there and tried to fix – the Giants offensive line, or or did you? I tried my best. Um, you know, <laughs> so at five, I took um, Ikem Mekwanu. Yes. You know, personally, like, it doesn't matter to me which tackle is there or which one they take. They should just take one. Yes. Um, I, I think Andrew Thomas actually came on um, last year and has, has been a lot better than he was early in his rookie year. But, like, they still need a guy on the other side. And, like, truthfully, Ikwanu could probably kick inside to guard if that's what they want to do anyway. Like, right. I think a guy like Ikwanu, they kind of had a lot of options. So you, you just take whichever guy is there and figure right. it out because they need help very badly. Okay. I like Ikwanu a lot. I wrote about him in, in, in my walkthrough. And, you know, I have to be careful because when a guy starts talking about song and dance routines and all this goofy stuff, I get excited by him. I was excited by his film. Mm-hmm. Before I was excited about him as a as a as an individual, and I, I mean I really loved what I said. He he's somebody who I think could step in at left tackle, and like you said, could move in inside as well. Exactly. I mean, with him, it's just the power on on film is crazy. Like when he gets hands on you, the rep is over, and he's going to do whatever he wants. I think he can get a little bit wild. You know, his hands are yes. kind of all over the place. He can lean, but like physically, you're not getting better than that. Like that that's a franchise left tackle when you just look at him coming off the bus or whatever yeah it's like hulk smash type stuff yes yes (laughs) (laughs) and there are a couple of guys that you can say that about which is what going back to your point grab one of them grab neil grab cross grab him because Mm -hmm. it's hulk smash puny human time exactly right and and we don't i I think when we're talking about the giants we don't want to get into the trap of well the only guy on the line who's good is thomas 
so you don't need a left tackle. So let's like try to fill in the other things. I, I feel like that's counterproductive for the Giants. Yeah, like just just take a guy and figure it out. It, it'll it'll work itself out. Yes. Oh, briefly, Mike Kurtz just uh, just invoked Jalen Rieger on the chat. We will not be discussing Jalen Rieger at any time <laughs> over the next seven weeks. This is a Jalen Rieger free live stream from this point forward. Okay. Tell me more about George Karlaftis. I got to speak to him a little bit uh, in, 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 in India. I was impressed by him. What's he bring to the table for the Giants? I love George Karlaftis. Like, this is, I think, my guy in this entire draft class. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, he measured in at almost like 270. And, like, when you watch him on film, just the way that he comes off the ball for his size, a guy like that, is just insane. Um, and I think he has... Like his inside moves are incredible. If he wants to just bull rush you, he can. Um, he does a really good job of just like getting under guys and driving consistently. Yeah. What really impresses me most about him is, you know, he doesn't have that true like, you know, Von Miller, Robert Quinn type bend. But for a guy that is 270, he does a fantastic job of like manipulating his body and contorting it in weird ways where he can still you know, not take a ton of contact and then just like fight through you. I think mm. he does an outrageous job of that. You know, I compared him to Ryan Kerrigan and I think it's a lot like that. That's kind of what Kerrigan was good at. So right. I think he's just like an incredible, you know, strong side, you know, edge type of player, which I think when they already have Aziz Ojolari on the other side, right. I think it's like a pretty good mix of of talents that they could really use up front on the edge. Yeah. Carl Laftis's size. I mean, you, you want bend, you want flexibility no matter what. But you're looking at somebody that's like, well, they've got a compensation strategy here if they're not yeah. the uh, most most super agile guy in, in, in the NFL. Exactly. Um, like he he has his other ways to win. So it's not as it's not as bad that he doesn't have that. I'm guessing Todd Singer is a Purdue Boilermaker. Boiler up, Todd. Boiler up. By the end, this is going to be nothing but a Rutgers podcast. So enjoy it while it lasts. Um, <laughs> Getting back to to Carl Aftis one more time, I think a lot of people were talking Thibodeau versus Hutchinson, Th Thibodeau versus Hutchinson. And while I, I think they're one, two, when we were talking about it, a lot of times it's like one, two, three, we kind of keep Carl Aftis kind of close to the same tier with those guys. I mean, personally, I still think Carl Aftis is actually better than Hutchinson. Um, I'm lower on Hutchinson than a lot of other people, but like, right. I just think athletically what Carl Aftis is, has almost as much potential as Thibodeau. Like, I, I just think, the, to be able to explode and be flexible at his size. And he has like that lateral quickness too. Like, I just think he's an absolutely insane 270 pound athlete. And I think if he can um, just be a little bit more confident in his pass rush plan at times, like I think it's going to be all the way there. And like the last thing I'll say about him is when he got to Purdue as a freshman, horrible run defender. Like he just didn't know what okay. was going on, which makes sense. You're a freshman. You don't, you don't know what's going on. Yeah um athletically sometimes he would make a play but like he didn't know what was happening by the time his junior year came around he's one of the best run defenders in the class in terms of you know seeing stuff in not chasing eye candy you know his technique like the fact that he can make that development speaks to me like oh he can actually just keep getting better at everything i think he wasn't just a freshman he was a freshman born in athens yep <laughs> greece not georgia he did not like uh commit to georgia um was on the water polo team, the youth water polo team, until he was 12 or 13 years old. He, he talked to us in Indy. Um, and when you train for water polo, one of your training uh, requirements is you have to tread water with your feet while holding a chair over your head for like 10 minutes at a time. And this is 12-year-olds. Yes. 12-year-olds. 
I was proud when my 12-year-olds completed lifeguard exams where they treaded water for two minutes with their hands and legs. And, of course, if you fail, you either get hit in the head with a chair or you drown or both. So that's the kind of athlete Carl Aftis was as a youth, comes to America, picks up football late. Um, so naturally, as a, as a freshman at Purdue, as a 270-pound all-purpose athlete, he might have been a little clueless in terms of what he was doing, what he was seeing uh, from Big Ten offenses. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Travis Jones was a guy I really liked down in Mobile at the scouting combine. Um, but you, am I seeing this right? Are you giving the Giants a bunch of hog mollies, Derek? That's what they do. And even if, you know, Gettleman's not calling the shots anymore, I feel like the the irony is that, like, you know, that's all that Gettleman did, but then he's leaving and that's they, they really still need to stock up at all those positions. I think he just kind of missed a lot of the times or yeah. they just have guys who their deals are expiring and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. um, Travis Jones, I mean, like you watch him on film and I think um, he does a really good job of like handling space, um, whether that's against double teams or yeah. um, single teams. Like, you know, if he's getting, you know, down blocked or something, he can pretty much just like take it on immediately and he's not going to lose his ground. Um, he's like fairly explosive on film for a guy his size. He has like really long arms that I think help him control blocks and that sort of thing. My issue with him was just like, I think he can, you know, be a little bit up and down in terms of like what he's seeing. You know, sometimes he doesn't know he's getting down blocked. Sometimes he doesn't know he's getting double teamed and his, <laughs> his anchor will get a little bit, you know, out of whack because he just isn't ready for it. But I think if you can, you know, hone him in at least just a little bit, like I think he has all the athletic tools, you know, you saw him on film, but then he backed them all up in, in, in Indianapolis, which I think was fantastic. I mean, shoot, if, if Jordan Davis and Devonta Wyatt didn't look like absolute freak men, yeah. Travis Jones would have been the talk of the, the combine because he yeah. blew it up. He just wasn't quite, you know, the all world athlete that Jordan Davis is. So I don't know. I think, you know, Travis Jones kind of has everything. And then to your point, he looked good in Mobile, too. Like, at this yeah. point, he's just kind of checked off every box. So It's kind of the same thing happened in Mobile where Perrion Winfrey was blowing up everything in sight. And Jones had a really good Mobile uh, senior bowl, but it's like you're going to talk about this more dynamic guy who's picking up sacks and practices and things like that. And, and I also see now there's there's Channing Tindall. Would that be the fifth best, sixth best, seventh best guy on the Georgia line, and you are mocking him to the Giants here. Now, now the, defend yourself, uh, Dave Gettleman Jr. Yeah, I mean, so uh, t- t- Tyndall is actually um, a linebacker, but uh, I mean, they just, they don't okay. have linebacker talent. I think at this yeah. point, their best linebacker on the roster is going to be like Bernardrick McKinney okay. or Blake Martinez. And like, you know, I know Blake Martinez looked better in 2020, but that kind of took a step back again in 2021. And I think you clearly saw the biggest issue with the Giants linebacker course. They do not have speed. What does Chanding Tyndall bring? Speed. Okay. That is the one thing we know this dude is good at. He's going to fly um, sideline to sideline downhill. He's going to bring it. He's going to be there first. Um, whether or not he's always where he needs to be is going to be the question. I think his year one could look a little bit rough just in terms of um, how consistently he sees in run concepts how much you can actually do with him in coverage just in terms of, you know, how comfortable is he moving around? How comfortable is he, you know, matching yeah. routes and stuff like that. But athletically they need an upgrade at the position and Tyndall very clearly, you know, passes, passes the test there. So, so I got mixed up. It wasn't the fifth or sixth best defensive lineman. It was their third best linebacker. <laughs> yeah, third best linebacker. Do, you, do you like you, you, you don't anticipate Quay will be on the board at this point. Is that what you're saying? I, uh, it's possible that they both could be. Um, okay. I just think that it's probably more likely Tyndall is still on the board at this point. It seems okay. like Quay Walker could like 
even sniff the top 50. So yeah, I think yeah. it's just more likely Tyndall is here. If Walker is there, they should just take him instead. Um, but I worry if he's going to be there. Okay, there was a question asking whether Kyle Hamilton could be an option. Mike Kurtz asked, yeah. Any chance that the Giants pick Kyle Hamilton? There's just too many other pressing needs. What do you think, Eric? I think there's probably too many other needs. Um, I mean, I would say, though, getting him and McKinney in the same safety room would be incredible because yeah. I really liked Xavier McKinney coming out, and I thought he played really, really well in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that would be a disgusting safety duo, but um, I just have to imagine they're going to try to address offensive line, and I think there's yeah. going to be too many options for them to pass up at five that you know they wouldn't do it. Two thoughts there. If he's there at seven, I will say, if he's still there at seven instead of Karloftis, that would actually make more sense to me. Yeah, I could see that. Two things, Gettleman would have taken him. Right, yeah. It wasn't always just hog mollies. It was just, he can play, he can play, he can play. I don't care about position. You know, Saquon, et cetera. Uh, And the other thing is, if the Giants were in a division where teams were going to throw a million passes all the time nonstop against them, I could see them going more towards safety. And I think we know the Cowboys, they do want to throw the ball a lot, but they want to run the ball a lot too. They, they're they shedding wide receivers and, and holding on to their tight ends as we speak right now. We know the Eagles just want to run the ball a million trillion times. And the Washington, whatever they're called now, is, you know, they don't have a quarterback. So it would be a higher priority if you're facing Mahomes all the time, uh, I, I think, to go out and get Hamilton. And I think the team that gets them, if a team gets him in the top 10, it's like, how are we going to keep up with these passing games? Right. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, Joey sucks. has a question for you, Derek. We're going to, we're going to put you on the spot here. I've not read the question, but I trust Joey. If you were mocking this and the team was still run by judge and Gettleman, would you mock them making bad decisions? To a degree, probably. I mean, you know, you don't want to do anything too insane, but I think you always have to, realize the possibility that you know at at seven they might just I, I don't know that maybe they would be the ones that come up and take Trevor Penning at seven which like nobody should be doing right. but if anybody was going to do it it probably could have been Gettleman <laughs> so you know you, you think about it a little bit but I don't you know not every pick is going to be terrible sometimes right. they hit but you know you do have to bake yeah. it in a little bit yeah Joey doesn't ask me because he knows when I mock draft it's like oh this is maybe a chance to do a joke so I'll put a joke in there but you're right you don't do it too ridiculously I think what you look at when you're mocking or when you're trying to really analyze this is the history of the GMs in question Mm -hmm. it's like okay you know how Howie Roseman is not taking a linebacker so if I mock a linebacker to the Eagles I kind of make it well this is not going to happen but let's talk about it anyway I think we know the Buffalo Bills, they're not, they don't take running backs in the first round. They're on board with the analytics on that, et cetera. You knew Dave Gettleman was going to have like a keep it simple, give me a trench guy thing. And Penning was perfect. Penning was absolutely perfect. Although I think one of the guys on my mock draft is also going to be perfect because all people would talk about with Penning is how he's just mauling people in every drill, yeah. every practice. And, and like that would excite uh, Dave Kettleman uh, to a high degree and Joe judge would be like, great. Like, Oh, he can fight our offensive line coaches. Our offensive line coaches can fight each other and winner gets penning. And uh, he would love that, but keep your eye on penning to the Panthers folks is what we're saying here. Um, <laughs> Adam Schefter is reporting that Denver is traded for Russell Westbrook. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not confused enough right now. Let's get to a question that makes sense. Derek, is this a deeper safety class or an offensive line class? Truthfully, I haven't seen enough of the offensive linemen to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the safety class, at least like 
<clears throat> for those day two, day three, or day two guys, like there's going to be a lot of them. Like Jalen Petrie still might fall to day two. Um, Lewis yeah. Simi could still end up in day two. Like I think the only clear day one safety is going to be Hamilton. But I think like day two, um, you know, you're going to get like Brisker could still fall. Like I think day two, there's going to be options there for safety. So I think it's a pretty good class for that. It's also tricky. It's five positions versus two. Right, right. You know, really. It's like, it's like I think it, all safeties against left tackles or something like that, maybe safeties win. But there's a lot of interior line talent here. So I would probably lean towards saying there's more offensive line. Um, give me Marcus Hayes in a nutshell. Truthfully, I actually I haven't watched too much of Marcus Hayes. At this okay. point, it was just I know that the Giants very badly need offensive <laughs> line help and they still need guard help. Right. Um, I think they're they're even losing a couple of the ones that they had. Like I think uh, Will Hernandez is up for a deal. So like, yes, like even even if Will Hernandez is back, like truthfully, you know, like Shane Lemieux or whoever the hell was starting there is not going to be starting next year or shouldn't be starting next year. So getting in a guy like Hayes, who I think you can hopefully plug in a guard immediately, they really need something like that. Excellent, and I agree. In fact, we're going to switch over to my attempt to fix the franchise for the New York Giants, and I went for interior line help early at least i think i did and that's why i'm waiting for the graphic to come up so i can there it is <laughs> so i can uh be sure that I, I picked who i remember picking and we just mentioned jalen petrie a moment ago but i started out one two punch with two offensive linemen and what i used i used a mock draft simulator to try and keep myself honest a little bit uh one of the ones that's available on the internet and on my mock draft si simulator icky was gone evan neal was gone so the computer decided they went in the first four, very likely. So I went with Charles Cross right off the bat. And the, the, I think you can't go wrong with any of these three tackles. And the guy I keep coming back to, I mocked him uh, at Football Outsiders and walked through a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely love him. Tyler Linderbaum, center for Iowa. And um, you might quibble with seventh overall, Derek. You're not quibbling with the player, right? Not at all. I, I mean – the, the only reason I would quibble with him at seven is not really because I don't think he should go there. I just think that like he won't. Um, right. But like if they took him there, like, I don't know, he's going to be one of the top 10 players in the class, just in terms of like how good he is. You know, I don't want to do positional value, all that jazz, but like yeah. as a player, he's a top 10 prospect. So taking him at seven, like, especially when they need interior help as badly as they do. I don't see why not. It's hard to find centers who move like that. Yeah. And I, and I feel it's like, best player available he might be yeah uh, exactly position of need it's a critical need position um and so when you put all of those things together i think that's a good move now no center has been drafted this high you go back to guys like marquise pouncey who was a huge uh a huge prospect i think he was 13th overall usually you don't see a, a, a center 13th 14th 15th and that goes back to the merger um and there's complex reasons for that. But I think one thing before I continue, we have to say that very much a possibility the Giants could be one of the teams that trades down in this draft as well. I think especially when they have both picks like this, like yes. they're probably just hoping they at least get one of their tackles mm -hmm. at five or seven or whatever. And then after right. that, they can just bail and just, you know, get what they can. Right. And, and the way things are looking now, I wouldn't trade seventh and then try to get next year's pick unless people are throwing boatloads at you. But this is one of those teams that are in bad cap shape. They know Sheen and, uh, you know, the, and Dayball know they've got like a two-year leash here in terms of rebuild. This is the kind of team to say, we can actually push the assets back another year if we don't like who we see. I wouldn't do that if Tyler Lindenbaum's on the field. Like, get him. 
and, and have an anchor in your offensive line for a couple of years. But it's one of the things that that, that this team will consider. I now, think especially like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think they picked up Jones's option. So I think especially if they're trying to push back assets, see what they can get for a quarterback next year, potentially yeah. makes even more sense. Absolutely. And, and that would be the thing. Hey, get a bite of the apple in 2023 if you're not sold with Daniel Jones. And you should not be sold with Daniel Jones by any means. Now, Petrie is another one of these super active fly around safeties that I absolutely love. And, I, you know, I don't necessarily think of it as a position of need. We talked about Kyle Hamilton. What do you think Jalen Petrie and McKinney in the same defensive back room would look like there? I think it could be awesome because, like, truthfully, McKinney is – well, to me, McKinney can play everything. I think he's yeah. just an incredibly sharp player. But, like, they played him a lot as, you know, that center fielder type role last year. Right. Um, and I think he did really good there, whereas I think Petrie is going to be more of a guy who you want to roll down. You want him in the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. You want him kind of playing linebacker um, because that dude is – like you said, he has a nose for the ball and he is right. not afraid to come up and, you know, hit dudes at the line of scrimmage fight against blocks like he does not play small at all he plays like a legit linebacker from the safety position he so. plays big and he plays downhill right exactly and and it's not even like a i don't know like dj swearinger where it's like he only does this because he has to no he's like he has range and coverage and all that stuff and he's actually like a pretty tempered coverage guy it's just right. that when he gets into the box he's just a goblin man like he just gets after it yeah, I, I was happy in the mock simulator I used that he fell to 37. And, like, here's a guy who can cover Dalton Schultz. Yes. Or Blake Jarwin. Here's a guy who could chase Jalen Hurts on the option to the outside or get up into the, into the box on a running play. And, 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 you know, again, if Washington ever comes with an offense, he might be able to be useful against that <laughs> as well. So, um, at 69, Jalen Wittermere. And my thought here was, first of all, again, they got rid of Rudolph. Evan Ingram, I'm assuming, is going to go bye-bye. I, I think that, that 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 it's the time has come for this. Right. It's kind of run its course. Right. And here is a tight end who can get see the field right away because he blocks pretty well. So you get a guy who can come in, maybe help with the pass protection a little bit, maybe help in the run game. And even if he is sort of a wide receiver, excuse me, a TE2 to start out his career, he's a useful one who uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be able to check a lot of boxes and, and, again, maybe help that pass protection a little bit. Right. Like, he should be able to come in and give you that. I think he's a guy who, like, at least to me, is a little more, like, quicker than fast. Um, I don't think he has, like, true blazing speed where he's going to be a game changer. But I think if you have enough of that quicker than fast thing, and I think when your hands are, you know, I think he has pretty good hands, especially like, when it comes to contested stuff. So, like, okay. he's going to give you enough in the passing game. That I think, you know, like you said, he can be a tight end two right away. And then hopefully, you know, by that, you know, average, you know, tight ends take a long time to develop. If you can get him to by year three, he can right. probably, you know, be a starting tight end type. Right. And reliable hands going to make a big difference after a couple of years of Evan Ingram. Yes. <laughs> out there. One thing I noticed on the, the draft simulator, the tight end talent was everywhere. And this is a very, very deep tight end class. Um, there were a lot of big names. Uh, uh, the kid from UCLA was still on the board. Uh, Ferguson from um, Wisconsin was still on the board. A lot. Jelani Woods obviously was still on the board. He's probably going to be a day three guy, even though he blew it up at the combine. And, um, you know, what I didn't want to do with the Giants is just hand them, hey, here's another, like, vertical. Maybe he's your extra wide receiver three, but he's big. Give you a natural tight end in this offense that gives you a couple of options when you're in New York Giants. Exactly. I think that's exactly what they need. 
Right. And then uh, third round, it's like there's going to be edge rusher talent. And I, and I kind of look through and like Sanders is somebody who, um, again, he's in that second tier of edge rushers, but he's going to fill a need for the New York Giants. Definitely fills a need. I mean, they need an edge rusher. Um, Sanders is just when you watch him on film, it's mm-hmm. weird because the Cincinnati defense um, asked him to play like on the tackle, like head up oh. a lot of the time. But right. He was playing at like 240, 245. So that those are not real like NFL reps for him. You're never going to play him there in the NFL. He's more of a guy who should be, you know, in six techs or whatever, out in a wide nine, like that sort of deal. So the fact that he was playing head up makes his tape a little weird. But when you watch him on tape, he has like pretty good explosion. His bend is uh, pretty decent, I think. Um, there's a little bit more to his hands than like it looks like initially. So, I mean, the biggest issue to me is just, he's not going to hold up as a run defender probably. Um, he's not going to be able to win through you. But I don't know. There's enough there that by the time the third round comes around and it fills a need, it's it's pretty decent. Well, the uh, Russell Westbrook news that we heard earlier, I had a feeling that that was somebody uh, using auto uh, auto type or maybe typing too quickly. I was wondering, is Russell Wilson news actually breaking while we're here talking about uh, Jalen Wittermere? And thank you, Football Outsiders team. Russell Wilson traded – to the Denver Broncos, and Mike Williams wow. resigned with the Chargers. Guys, um, there's one of these things is not like the other. Thank you for giving us all the information. <laughs> I appreciate that, but can we stick to the lead here? That the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson. Um, this seems like a thing that is happening imminently. It's not even – did they even announce what they have given up? I mean, it, it's pro- – you know what? They probably haven't, and it's probably going to be every pick that Denver has. What did you <laughs> give up, Thanos? Everything. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drew Locke was apparently included in the uh, uh, in the trade. This is all happening as we speak right now. And, Derek, we don't have enough information to really comment upon this, do we? I don't think so. The, the the best I can say is that, you know what, the AFC West was a quarterback's arms race, and that with Aaron Rodgers now being out of it, this is as best as Denver was going to do. And this seems to be – I mean, I was talking to Broncos, you know, media. I was talking to some other people who are connected to the Broncos. They were really on top of Aaron Rodgers. This is a sudden left turn. I, I did not hear – Russell Wilson to the Broncos. I heard other rumors involving all those pieces, but not the the joining of them uh, at all in Indianapolis. So, yeah, uh, I I don't know. It's just a very, I I don't even really know what to say. I mean, I'm excited to, you know, give it a little bit more brain thought after this. I am excited too. And I am excited to talk about tomorrow with Aaron Schatz on our podcast and probably again on Thursday with Aaron Schatz on our podcast. But I do know one thing that I can say. And that is Football Outsiders NFL Draft Coverage is presented by Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code FO40, that's FO40, at Underdog to double your deposit up to $100. And keep your eyes peeled for new best ball tournaments that include 2022 rookies and their new Superflex games, where you can deploy your knowledge from mine and Dark Classic's NFL Draft Research and Analysis. So links to Underdog Fantasy can be found in the description of this video below. So go play with us on Underdog today. That is it. We're going to go figure out what the heck is actually going on. <laughs> Until next Tuesday, you can find Derek Klassen and I back here next Tuesday. Derek, what is this week's uh, uh, film room going to be about? Uh, it is going to be about Iowa State running back Brees Hall. Brees Hall, he blew up the combine. 
He did. He ran faster than he looks on film. That that is the that is the preview I'll give is that he ran faster than he looks. Faster and more athletic than on film, and I can't wait to read it. You'll see Derek Klassen talking about Brees Hall from Iowa State on Film Room at Football Outsiders. You'll probably be seeing me have a nervous breakdown about Russell Wilson to the Broncos when I write about the Broncos in two days at Football Outsiders. Until then, take care and enjoy the rest of your week.